God calls Saul, he can also call you. Who better to preach the gospel than someone who has been through? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome to the Confidence Restore podcast. I am your host, Tamaria Jordan. It is Sunday. January 21st, 2024 at 3.35 a.m. Yes, I am up. You are probably wondering, what is she doing up this time of morning? Um, I will say that I am here to encourage someone today. And I want to start this off by making a declaration that I am human just like you. We are all flawed, yet we are called to do what God has called us to do. And so I say that to say that I'm up. (laughs) because I actually was up at 3.15 a.m. on Tuesday, January 16th. And that is when I feel like I initially got this message, but I was distracted. So I titled this, The Church is Shifting. Distractions, delusion, draw your own conclusion. And when we think about what we're seeing in terms of like the church, we see a difference of opinion as it relates to different matters and conversations and judgment and a whole lot of other things. But when we think about a lot of this, it is a distraction. It keeps us from focusing on maybe what God is trying to tell us in this season. And when we think about even hearing right now, there's a lot of people who are struggling with being able to even hear the truth and hear whatever it is that God is trying to tell them. And I think some of that is by design, meaning the enemy wants us to be deceived. The enemy doesn't want us to be able to hear. The enemy wants us to be arguing with one another. The enemy does not want us to know the truth. And so in Ezekiel 3, it says, but when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth and thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, he that heareth, let him hear. And he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. And so when I thought about that, I thought about the fact that in this season, may God give us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And I don't think it's strange that I'm up at three o'clock in the morning. I've actually been getting up now for a few, actually a couple of years now, like in the middle of the night. And I find that I'm up between the hours of like three and 6 a.m. And I was like, why do I keep getting up in the middle of the night? And ironically, I did see a message about this. I can't remember the young lady's page on YouTube, but if I can remember it, I'll definitely put it in the comments. But she talked about the fact that she's also been up in the middle of the night around those hours. And some people say that's the time that the enemy is at work and that there's a lot of witchcraft and other things going on. But I also think that's a time where God is also waking up his children and telling us to pay attention and keep watch. And so... um, Before I move on, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and speak and minister through this message today and that anyone 
who needs to hear this, that they will be able to hear it and that it would minister to their spirit and bless their soul. And that I also will be blessed through sharing this message because I have found that being able to speak and share and hear what the word of the Lord is saying, it has blessed me tremendously. So I want to be obedient in this hour and I want to repent also for taking too long, meaning I should have just came downstairs at 3.15 a.m. on Tuesday when I got the message, but I didn't. So I'm here now. And I said, let me be obedient. And so um, if this your, this is your first time here, welcome. If you've been with me for a while, um, thank you so much uh, for your continued support. And so when I think about being obedient and the fact that I'm up at now 3.39 a.m., and the fact that we are called to be watchmen, it brings me to Ezekiel 33. And in Ezekiel 33, it says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set for him their watchmen, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of, at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou doest not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus she speaks, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how shall, should we then live? Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that he, will, that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right. If the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He hath done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. Yet the children of that people say, 
The way of the Lord is not equal, but as for them, their way is not equal. When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. Yet ye say the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, I will judge you everyone after his ways. And it came to pass in the 12th year of our captivity, in the 10th month, in the fifth day of the month, that one that escaped out of Jerusalem came unto me saying, the city is smitten. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening afore he that escaped came and had opened my mouth until he came to me in the morning and my mouth was opened and I was no more dumb. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, they that inhabit these, those wastes of the land of Israel speak saying, Abraham was one and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given us for inheritance. Wherefore say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, ye eat with the blood and lift up your eyes toward your idols and shed blood and shall ye possess the land? Ye stand upon your sword. Ye, ye work abomination and ye defile everyone his neighbor's wife and shall ye possess the land? Say thou thus unto them, thus saith the Lord God, as I live, surely they that are in the waste shall fall by the sword and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured and they that be in the forts and in the cave shall die of pestilence for I will lay the land most desolate and the pomp of her strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be desolate that none shall pass through. Then shall thou know that I am the Lord, when I have laid the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people are still talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, everyone to his brother saying, come, I pray you and hear with the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh and they sit before thee as my people and thy, and they hear my word, but they will not do them for with their mouth, they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, though our unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. And so you may have seen on my YouTube channel, I shared the master's prophecy blog and some things there, but it's interesting because I've also seen a lot of people coming against the messages that she has been sharing. And what's interesting is a lot of it is in the word. And so Ezekiel 33, the first time that I actually read this scripture, she mentioned it in one of her prophetic messages. And I remember feeling convicted because it says, if God gives you a word to warn and you don't warn, the blood of that person is on your hands. But if you warn them and they fail to listen, the blood is on their hands. And you may recall that I mentioned Ezekiel 3 going back. And it says, thus saith the Lord God, he that heareth, let him hear. And he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. So you fast forward to 33, and it talks about the rebellious house 
and the idols. And God has set people as watchmen to warn, but individuals will not listen. And they are, they would rather stick with their covetousness, the things that they want, the idols that they've lifted up, the people that they put in positions of power. And then they give, literally people will argue with you, especially in the church. And when we think about what the church is, the church is us, it's the people. Because when we think about the word, we think about life, we think about who we are called to be as people, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to do what God has called us to do. And so I started this off talking about Saul and I said, God calls Saul. He can also call you who better to preach the gospel than someone who has been through. So in Ezekiel, it talks about the fact that even if we live in our wickedness, that God would erase the iniquity if we turn from our ways. But if we are righteous, and we continue to live in iniquity, God essentially will not forgive us. But sometimes I think people, they we play with God's grace is what I'll say. And even for myself, I had my own revelation. And I'm going to talk about Saul and him being called because I think that's important for this message. But I also think it's important for us to stop playing with God's grace and stop idolizing people because people make mistakes too. And one thing that I stated at the beginning of this episode is I'm human just like you. We are all flawed, yet we are called to do what God has called us to do. And we know when we do something that's wrong, we can feel it. We can pretend that we don't know. But the last episode, episode 109 was called Sinning on Saturday, Saved on Sunday. And I literally put a note at the beginning of the podcast description that says, I'm not an angel, I'm saved by grace. Trust me when I say I have made some mistakes. God's mercy is my covering, had to fall on my face. Just take a look around, God's judgment is hitting this place. And so we, when we think about the land, when we think about Israel, and we think about what's happening now, it is... The things that are happening, it's been said, it's in the Bible, but people will argue with the Bible. They will literally get upset with someone who mentions the Bible or mentions Jesus Christ or mentions any of this, yet they would be more likely to protect the people who have gone astray, the people who claim to be Christians, but have continued on in their sin and doing whatever it is that they want to do. And so I'm going to switch to Acts uh, really quickly and talk about Saul. And so in Acts 9, it starts in verse 1, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have to do, would have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will shew him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. He received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then when Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus and straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them, which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews, which dwelt at Damascus in proving that this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarshish. Then he then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, a.k.a. strengthened, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And it came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. And so it continues to talk about the wonders and all of the things that they can continue to do in terms of healing. But the fact that God told Saul he was chosen and Saul persecuted Christians in Jerusalem 
And so they sought to kill him because they knew what he had done and what he believed. How in the world could God call Saul to be the person to go back and deliver? The fact that they even said in Acts 9, they had to tell the other disciples, he is a disciple, that he had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus removed the scales from his eyes because they couldn't believe how could this man who once persecuted Christians, believers of Jesus Christ, how is it that he is now preaching the gospel? And a lot of times you hear, especially in the church, when we think about the shift in judgment, there are a lot of scriptures that talk to us about judgment and judging others and that God is the final judge. But I think where people are getting confused is that God also says he corrects those whom he loves and that he also talks about discipline in the Bible. And so we can't just go on willy nilly doing what we want to do and think that we can profit off of the gospel, but then assume that there's no responsibility that comes with that gift or with that teaching or what have you, because it also says in Acts 9 that he would learn (laughs) what he must suffer to be a, a believer in Jesus Christ. So he persecuted Christians, but in verse 16 in chapter nine, it says, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So you will notice that oftentimes if you mention the name Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, in the words of prophetess Tiffany Montgomery, the word Jesus Christ is offensive. The Bible is offensive. The truth is offensive these days. And so the fact of the matter is people don't necessarily want to hear the truth. And I remember a long time ago, I'm going to admit that was me. And I thank God for his correction. I thank God that he's given me ears to hear because he will turn us over to whatever it is that we desire if we continue to sin and do whatever we want to do. But I thank God for his grace and for his mercy. So when you have a prophet warning you, you have an opportunity to turn back, like it says in Ezekiel 33. But a lot of us, we want to keep doing what we want to do. We want to covet what we want to covet. We want to live how we want to live. We want to be where we want to be. We want to sin on Saturday, be saved on Sunday. And so I think about life and I think about the fact that society encourages sin, yet I have learned finally that salvation is where true freedom begins. And so I remember when I wrote Sins, Salvation is the New Sexy from Hot Girl to God's Girl. And I wrote it, especially for young women today, Um, but the book can be read by anyone because it applies. The message in it, I even read it to my husband. He was like, wow, that's a powerful message and that it applies to everyone. But I wrote it as a woman because my my experience as a woman, I believe could minister to other women. So for instance, God called Saul because he knew, he, he said, I've chosen him. He's chosen. And again, in Matthew 22, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Saul was chosen and he was chosen for different reasons because as you continue to read through Acts and then you read through Romans, you'll see that literally as Saul went about, aka Paul, because his name was changed, as he went about, he told how he used to persecute Christians and how his life was turned around. So let me fast forward real quick. And I encourage you to read the whole, read the whole book of Acts, read the whole book of Romans, 
read, just read, we need to read the Bible. That's what we need to get back to basics because the church is shifting. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the ecclesia. The we are the church. And there will come a time where we we may not be able to assemble in a building, but the church is within us. And I think for some people, it's hard to, to believe that. But when we look at even on YouTube, the number of ministries that are coming up, because the Bible also says that God will pour out his spirit in the end days. And we can see it now. We can literally see it happening right now. And it's amazing. It's actually in Acts, Acts 2. 15 through 21, but in verse 17 specifically, it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. But when people are prophesying, individuals are upset. It continues on in verse 18 to say, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. 19, and I, meaning God, will shew wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when we think about being saved, we have to repent and we have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And it says that God's going to literally God will show people who is king. In the end, he's going to show people who is king. And when we think about the prayer of salvation, we, and, and that's something that is man-made essentially, because God didn't, didn't say, oh, here's a prayer of salvation, but he does leave us with a way to pray. So in the word, he tells us how we should pray. And this is our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, but forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And it doesn't say it exactly like that. It's a, it, of course, in the translation, but when you look in the Bible and it tells us how we should pray, it is clear that God, he said, we don't have to use vain repetition. Matthew six is where it tells us how to pray. It says, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And it says, don't babble like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And then in verse nine, it tells you how you should pray, starting with our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so when we think about that, when we think about what we're called to do and the fact that in the end days, God will call his people to prophesy. 
And it doesn't mean it's people in positions of power. A lot of us feel like, okay, you know, if someone has a title, if they are called pastor, if they are deacon, deaconess, whatever the case is, that they are able to receive more power, that they are able to hear from God directly. But I thank God for the for the ministers in my life, for the people. And I will say Pastor Lynn Lovejoy of Revelation Word Ministries is one of them, as well as at Calvary Revival Church, Bishop Courtney Macbeth. They always encourage me to read the word for myself. And I will even say, even growing up in Petersburg, the pastors that were there, they always read from the word and they encouraged the congregation to read from the word. They were um, my cousins, the Crockers, both ministers in the church in Petersburg where I grew up. They always read from the word and then they would share their stories to bring the word to life. And I remember those examples. I remember both Sammy and Keeve always focusing on the word. And then of course, as I grew up, I understood it a little bit better. And I remember as a kid, so Keeve was the first minister and then Sammy, his brother, was the second minister in in the church that I recall growing up under. And I visited a whole bunch of other churches, but they really stand out to me because when I was a kid, I would always sing heroes. And it didn't matter that it wasn't Easter, but there was something on the inside of me that was that was stirred up. And so I always wanted to sing heroes. And it didn't matter what Sunday it was. And they used to laugh. They were like, she loves that song, heroes. And the song is called He Arose from the Dead. And it says song by Blind Lemon Jefferson. And the lyrics were he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. And then it keeps repeating that. And it says, and the Lord shall bear my spirit home. And I, the song is a lot longer than that, but some of the lyrics included one angel came from heaven and rolled away the stone. And then they repeated it over and over. And then it says, and the Lord shall bear my spirit home. He rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. And then it keeps going. And I can't really sing, but I guess I can sing a little bit for y'all. But the song went a little bit like this, if you aren't familiar. He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. He rose, he rose, he rose, he rose, he rose from the dead. And the Lord shall bear my spirit home. And that was the chorus. And then it it went on to say, go tell my disciples, meet me in Galilee. And then it goes on. He rose, he rose. Go tell my disciples, go and feed my tender lamb. He rose, he rose, he rose. One angel came from heaven and rolled away the stone. He rose, he rose, he rose. And the Lord shall bear my spirit home. So that was something that I always sung. So as a kid, I was really focused on Christ. Like I knew that he died for my sins. I knew I needed to focus on the word of God. There was something in me from the time I was a kid, but I didn't quite understand it. So I appreciate being under that leadership with my cousin, both of them, the Crockers in the church. And then as I grew up, the word didn't depart from me. I'm grateful for my mom and my family who instilled the values and understanding of Jesus Christ in me as a, as a child. 
on both sides of my, like my mom and then my grandmother on my mom's side, my great grandmother and my dad's mom as well. And other family members who talked to me about Jesus Christ. So I felt like I knew Jesus Christ early, but there were times where I walked away. And so what's interesting, if you remember when I was reading Acts 9, Saul, who became Paul, (laughs) he actually received permission from the high priest to persecute those in Jerusalem. Hmm, interesting, right? But then this is, it's, it's so interesting how God works, right? Because he persecuted Christians, but God still used them. And again, I tell you to read the whole Bible. So to bring that full circle, it was, their focus was on the word. It wasn't like, let me, let me change the word. So you feel good about it. They were preaching the word of God. And so even with Pastor Lynn Lovejoy, she says, um, they preach the uncompromised word of God. It's true. And one thing I will say that Courtney Macbeth always used to say, he was like, if you don't find what I'm saying in the Bible, then it's not rooted in the truth. Like you go read it for yourself. Check, check behind, fact check. We fact check everything else, but we will not, we don't want to fact check the preacher. We're like, we're going to take what you say on Sunday. And that's, that's going to be my spiritual food today. And literally what I learned is, and even those with the best intentions, they're not going to read every single scripture because God may be showing them different things for their flock at that time. So they're not going to know everything. So God is like, okay, I need my people to hide the word in their heart. I need you to do it now while you still can hide the word in your heart, because we don't, as we see, like, there's a lot happening. Let's be real. If we pay attention to what's happening in the world, it's a lot going on. I do encourage you to check out the master's prophecy blog, revelation word ministries, prophetess Tiffany Montgomery. There's a lot of people that God is speaking through, but he can also speak through you. So I will say that, that he wants us to share our testimony. So I shared the testimony of me growing up, being close to God. And then as I got older, I made some decisions. So we live righteous, but essentially sometimes we still focus on the thing, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the things we want to do, the things that people can't see. So that's why I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm human just like you. I am flawed. I have made a whole lot of mistakes and I thank God for correcting me. And he's still correcting me. (laughs) Even as I sit here tonight, I'm just like, okay, Lord, you gave me this message on Tuesday at 3.15 a.m. That's why I'm still on here now at 4.10 a.m. on Sunday morning, because I didn't record it on Tuesday morning at 3.15 a.m. when I was, I was doing my Bible study, but I think I needed to get through the word Tuesday morning and really understand what um what I was reading. And so I had called it shift change. And so when you think about a shift, <laughs> when you think about law today, shift means a change in hours within a workday, which results in the majority of an employee's newly scheduled hours to be within a shift other than his previous scheduled shift. And so what I realized is during the work week, I'm working. I'm a wife, I'm a mother. So my shift... <laughs> during the day is, you know, working for my job to make money, spending time with family. And then oftentimes I'll fall asleep. 
So I don't think it's strange. And I had a revelation today while talking to a pastor that these are the hours God can probably get my attention because I have no distractions. So distraction, delusion, draw your own conclusion. And so we need to be willing to read the word for ourselves so we won't be a part of the great deception that's happening, that we won't listen to what people say, but not be able to hear what God says. Like we'll hear people all day. We're like, okay, this person's in power. This person has money. This person has prestige. Oh, let me listen to them. But then we won't read the Bible <laughs> or God does send a prophet that doesn't look like what we think the prophet should look like. And then we don't want to listen. And matter of fact, thank God for that. There was a message that I saw online and I thought it was really powerful. And I don't know what church it was, but I credit uh, Miss Marina Dove for resharing this. Um, it was posted by Regina Hairston. And I don't know where the original post came from because it says borrowed and reposted, original writer unknown. But um, I think this is powerful. A pastor transformed himself into a homeless person and went to the church, the church, the building, that he was to be introduced as the head pastor at that morning. He walked around his soon-to-be church for 30 minutes while it was filling with people for service. Only three people said hello to him. Most looked the other way. He asked people for change to buy food because he was hungry. Not one gave him anything. He went into the sanctuary to sit down in the front of the church and was told by the ushers that he would need to get up and go sit in the back of the church. He said hello to people as they walked in, but was greeted with cold stares and dirty looks from people looking down on him and judging him. He sat in the back of the church and listened to the church announcements for the week. He listened as new visitors were welcomed into the church that morning, but no one acknowledged that he was new. He watched people around him continue to look his way with stares that said, you are not welcome here. Then the elders of the church went to the podium to make the announcement. They said they were excited <laughs> to introduce the new pastor of the church to the congregation, we would like to introduce you to our new pastor. The congregation stood up and looked around, clapping with joy and anticipation. The homeless man sitting in the back stood up and started walking down the aisle. That's when all the clapping stopped and the church was silent. With all eyes on him, he walked up to the altar and reached for the microphone. He stood there for a moment and then recited so elegantly a verse from the Bible. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did for me. After he recited this, he introduced himself as their new pastor and told the congregation what he had experienced that morning. Many began to cry and bow their heads in shame. Today I see a gathering of people here, but I do not see a church of Jesus. 
The world has enough people that look the other way. What the world needs is disciples of Jesus that can follow this teaching and live as he did. When will you decide to become disciples? He then dismissed service until the following Sunday, his sermon had been given. When will you become disciples? The church is shifting. I am up because I'm supposed to be up. I couldn't go to sleep. (laughs) And I realize now why that is. I heard a prophetess say, and I feel in my spirit that what I've heard, God has been able to confirm. And I thank God for the warning, because that means that he cares and that there's still time to get it right. And every day, literally, we need to repent because I'm sure there's a thought that we had, something that we said that we know is not right. And I will say, even this morning, I was thinking about a message that I heard and I was like, whoa, this has some powerful points in it. And um, Pastor Lynn Lovejoy recorded a message March of 2023 and it was called You Talk Too Much. And me as a talker, I was like, let me listen to this message. And when I listened, there were so many good quotes, one of which is when you sin, you crucify Jesus all over again. The reason that we don't want to be called a disciple is because we're like, hold up, how can God use me? I'm a mess or I was a mess. But God used Saul. God said he was chosen, the same one who persecuted Christians. God sent to save the Jew and the Gentile, to warn them, to talk to them, to share with them. So when we think about Acts 26, it says, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them and I punished them often every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, hmm, fallen to the earth, repentant, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying into the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Deliver thee from the people and from Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Shift, change. God calls Saul. He can also call you. Who better to preach the gospel than someone who has been through? It's a shift change, change to exchange for or replace by another. This is according to the, the dictionary. Move to change the place, position, or direction of, to make a change in place. 
to change phonetically <laughs> according to the way something is pronounced to declare authoritatively or as an opinion to employ the organs of speech to produce or the intransitive verb is to pass judgment. <laughs> God said Saul was chosen, the one who persecuted, who used to pass judgment on the believers. God shifted his heart, but he had to be open and he had to be willing to allow God to come in. Because if Saul would have been like, God, no, mm -mm, get somebody else. Guess what God would have did? Got somebody else. And we've seen that with the other Saul. <laughs> and, um, kings that disobeyed God because he, he feared people. And that is honestly, even for me, like obedience uh, over sacrifice, that is something that has really stuck with me. Cause I, I realized that a lot of my life I've listened to people. I've let people tell me what the Bible said. I didn't read it for myself. I didn't know for myself. And God is like, the church is all of you. You all are the church. You're the church. We are the church. And we are the ones who people are looking at. People are looking at us and they're like, hold up. This is what the church looks like. The church is shifting. We're starting to look like everybody else. And so people are like, well, hold on. If that's the church and I'll be honest, like, listen, there was a time in my life where I used to look at people in the church as my yardstick. So I would look at them and I'd be like, well, they got away with it. I could test the waters a little bit. They didn't die. This didn't happen to them. So then we try to play with God a little bit. And we're like, oh, you know what? They will never know. God does. I literally remember one time I was, um, I call it my turning point. I was on my way home and I felt in my spirit, you better go straight home. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200 analogy. But like, seriously, it's like, you can't, you can't do the things you used to do. Cause guess what? Grace will run out. Grace will run out on you. You keep playing with God and God is like, like in Ezekiel 33, if you warn them and they don't repent, the blood is on their own hands. Don't let grace run out on you. God is good. God is merciful, but don't keep playing with them. Romans 1. <laughs> so at the end of Acts, it talks about Paul, Saul, aka Paul, where he ended up. But then Romans starts with Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So he was a descendant of David and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received what grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, beloved to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 
For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come upon you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among the Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein in the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because they which may be known of God manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made by made like a corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do not that, that do them. So he literally was saying, look here, I've been where you are. I've made some mistakes, but if we fail to repent, God will turn us over. And in Romans chapter two, it continues. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that, that judges for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself for thou that judges does the same thing. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? 
Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? So because God is good, it should lead us to repentance. We should not be in the pulpit preaching to other people about their sins and doing the same thing that we're telling them not to do. But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient countenance and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified, a.k.a. made righteous. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, behold, thou, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and maketh thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth and the law. Thou therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, doest thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that make thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep it, keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision and shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision doeth transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is the circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly and the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so when you think about that, Romans 2 said a lot, how are we going to preach and teach and break the rules ourselves? Because does that not dishonor God? And so when I think about the church shifting, the distractions, the delusion, you can draw your own conclusion. It's pretty clear. We're see the word says you will know them by their fruit. I don't understand why it's so hard for some of us to know people by their fruit. And what's interesting is in the message that I mentioned earlier from Pastor Lynn called You Talk Too Much from Revelation Word Ministry. Some other quotes was, God cannot move you to the next level because you will become an overnight wonder, but a next day blunder. 
And sometimes we're seeing that because people think that their sins are hidden, but it also says in Romans 2 that what's hidden, the sins, Jesus is going to reveal in that day of judgment. She said, there's nothing wrong with God. There is something wrong with the vessel. The vessel meaning us. And then she mentions the corrupt communication is in our head. So literally when it says God will judge the secrets of men, God knows, and that means me too. God knows what we're thinking. We may not say it out loud. No one else may know what we're thinking and or what we're doing, but God does. And we will have to answer for that. And so when God gives us grace, when God has given us mercy, don't we want to say like, okay, you know what, God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I'm not trying to keep playing with God. I will say that I've learned and I'm like, all right, Lord. All right. I get it. I get it. Let me get my life together. Because in Romans 3, starting in verse 3, it says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou might be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And rather as we be so as we be slanderously reported as and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then are we better than they? No. In no wise, for we have proved before proved both Jews and Gentiles, that we are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre with their tongues. They have used to deceit the poison of asp under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus whom God had set forth to be appropriation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 
Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law of faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. So I, I like to think of this as when you know better, you do better. And some people use the, you know, you can't judge me as a way to justify wrongdoing. But when we repent and we're justified by faith, we just read Romans 3 and Romans 5, it starts the same way. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely as a righteous man will one die, yet per adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we are we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, a.k.a. the covering, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all that have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as of the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one man, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is grace and mercy that we are here today. It is grace and mercy that I'm still standing. It is grace and mercy that I'm alive. It is grace and mercy, literally. And when you fast forward to 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. 
Have we not power to eat and drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, or I only and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not the fruit of therefore, thereof? And who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen, or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt that it is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partakers of this hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. If others be partakers of this power over you, are we not rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live the gospel. So it's the full circle moment. Full circle. If we preach the gospel, we should live the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be done so unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So it's all it's the commission, commission to preach the gospel. Like woe be unto me if I decide not to do what God has called me to do. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, my dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. So when we think about what's happening now in the church, the shift in the church, the judgment starts in the church. People are abusing their power in the gospel. God may, and it says in Matthew, we read it earlier. Many are called, few are chosen. In verse 19, same scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law being not without law to God, but unto the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. Know ye not that which run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are in, incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as the one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself shall be cast away. So I started this saying, I started this talking about Saul. God calls Saul 
He can also call you. Who better to preach the gospel than someone who has been through? But that being said, that is not an excuse for us to keep on living how we want to live, doing what we want to do. It requires us to change. It requires us to shift. It requires us to be vigilant and be able to hear the word of the Lord. It, it requires us to have discernment. It requires us to have the Holy Spirit. It requires us to do what we tell other people to do. Because if we don't, God is going to judge us for that. And like in Ezekiel, I started this off with Ezekiel 33. If God tells us to warn and we fail to warn, the blood is on our hands. Let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Let them hear. If God can use Saul, he can also use you. And that includes me too. And so, like I said, I am not an angel. I am saved by grace. <laughs> so are we, we all are. But that is what I really want to impart and encourage people to realize is that it's just, a, it's a gift. Grace is a gift. Life is a gift. And we should not take that gift for granted. And so my goal is to reach as many people as I can and encouraging them to really build their faith and know God for themselves. Read the word for themselves. Don't idolize me. I'm a person. I make mistakes. I have made mistakes. I probably will make more. There are things that I, like I said, is what we think about. There are things that I think that I'm like, oh, where did that thought come from? Just because Satan gives it to us, meaning the, the demonic forces, the spirits, it doesn't mean we have to take it on. There's a lot of things that we may hear, but we don't have to take it on. There are people who are praying on you, not praying for you, praying on you because the demons are looking for a host. So they're like, do you have any cracks in your foundation? Are you strong over here, but weak over here? Oh, is there a, is there a draft coming through your window? Can I slip through over there? You know what? The old, the old ways that I got her don't work. Let me try to do something a little bit different. So I knew she would get mad if I did it this way. So let me switch it up. Let me switch up my style. I'm not going to hit her with this. I'm going to hit her with that. But are you ready? Because if we're not ready, and we have those cracks and we have those open doors, it creates a way for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc where we will be distracted. And then we will face delusion. And in the end days, it reminds us to watch and pray always in Luke 21. Watch and pray always that we may be able to escape these things. But on top of that, the Bible also tells us about the fruit. It tells us that you will know them by their fruit. And that's not a bad thing. You just pay attention. You know, if somebody tell you an apple tree, they should produce apples. <laughs> like the word says, people are blaspheming God because of people. And I always say you can't judge God off the actions of man. We all have free will. Don't you understand? And we do. So I just want to encourage someone today to keep on keeping on, but get to know God for yourself especially in this hour, because things are shifting. The church, the ecclesia, the people, the body of Christ is shifting. And God needs us to be able to share. And like I said, 
I, for me to speak to the weak, I had to become weak in, in that scripture, the last scripture that I read. So God can use me. He can also use you. He knows exactly what we've been through and who we are to reach. So for me, confidence restored is so much bigger than that. I think I went through what I went through so I can help someone else. My confidence was shot, AKA my faith, my trust, my belief and who God called me to be. There were a whole lot of people trying to silence me. And it was like, and they may not even looked at it that way, but I noticed that there was an attack on my voice. But now I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't want to be like Saul in First Kings where God was like, because you obeyed the people and you didn't listen to me. Like, okay. Now I'm, I'm taking this away from you. That the people said they wanted a king. I gave them a king. You disobeyed. Okay, so now you lose your place. I don't want to lose my place because I'm listening to people and that I'm not listening to what the spirit is trying to tell me. So I will say that. <laughs> so I want to run my race and I want to run my race well, but I don't want to be disqualified in the end because of the decisions that I make, because I'm listening to people or I'm looking at people getting by with certain things thinking, oh, you know what? I can play with God's grace time out for that. God's like, look here, if you can't see what's happening on this earth and in the land and with people, you better wake up. God is calling us to pay attention. God is calling us to seek and save those who are lost. God is calling us to use our testimony to help other people. We are the church and we are called for such a time as this. So again, keep on keeping on. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications so you never miss an update. But until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.